morning we are completing, no pun intended, our series on trust process. It is a four-part series, and here's where we've been. I'm just going to uh, summarize it very quickly because if you've missed the other, we're actually on the fourth one today. But if you've missed the other ones, they're all available anytime you want on YouTube, Facebook, our website, wordsurf.org, and you can go back and look at this. But I want to traipse through these just a little bit because today we're tying the bow on this. And if you chose one sermon to come to out of this series, this is the one. Congratulations, you chose well. Because today we're going to wrap it all together. This is like the uber application sermon. Everything we're going to talk about is something that we can go and do. So this is also exciting. It starts sometimes with joyful trials. Oftentimes this trust the process of becoming more like Christ is couched in trouble, trial, tribulation. And so we welcome the opportunity to trust the process in them. I don't necessarily welcome the troubles or the trials. Maybe you do. I don't know. I don't. But in the midst of it, we don't have to fear. The second one is the fruit check. So we started at the very beginning with joyful trials, so we went to the very end of the fruit check. The fruit check is, am I producing the fruit of the Spirit? Am I living as a person who doesn't have to falsely manufacture love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, all those kinds of things? Is it genuinely coming out of me as a result of the Holy Spirit? And if it's not, then there's things that we can do. And one of the things we don't want to be is a traveling tree. Traveling trees have the ability to stick their roots in whatever source of water they want. And oftentimes we make some pretty poor choices, don't we? So the traveling tree can go wherever Jesus calls us, but as long as the roots are back in the living water, we're going to be fine. Now today, we're going to bring this all to completion because the Word promises that God will complete that work that He has started in us. He will not take us this far to just drop us off and say, Good luck. I hope you do well. Uh, he wants to complete the work. And what is the work? What is the process that we're talking about? It's becoming more like Christ. And in that process, other people will see Christ through us. That's our goal today. We're going to uh, talk about completion. In order to talk about completion, though, we're going to use the book of Philippians. So if you're uh, playing along in the home game here, or you want to open up your, your Bible, Philippians chapter 1 is where we're going to park today. Uh, but before I get there, I do need to talk about uh, GMO. Right, so, uh, how many people are familiar with GMO? It's on food labels these days, right? Anybody know what it stands for? We got the genetically modified part. Octopus. Yes, genetically modified octopus. Uh, it's especially prevalent in Japanese restaurants. And, no. It's actually a genetically modified organism. So GMO, and I'm not here to make a big political statement about GMO, but here's the interesting thing. People have been doing this for centuries with, with food, with agriculture, right? You take the genetics of a seed and you, you do things to it and with very good intentions. So, for example, some of the genetically modified things that you see today help crops survive uh, when it doesn't rain often or, or maybe helps them stay ripe uh, longer or helps them be bug resistant. It, all kinds of really good intentions on this GMO. So genetically modified organisms uh, right here are pretty prevalent in our food sources today, especially in grains, which we tend to feed to livestock, right? So good intentions, good reasons why we genetically modify things. However, there's a little bit of research that's coming out saying there may be some unintended consequences uh, as we genetically modify some of this food. Now, I don't know what your experience is, and you look at things like this, and you go, are you one of those people? You know, you feel like you can't handle real food, and what's your deal, right? or what kind of ideology drives this for you. 
Well, let me just tell you a little tiny piece of the Hogan family experience. Uh, for, for three of the five of us, we had some significant things happen uh, in our lives, and we began to look at diet. So my wife uh, has some anti-inflammatory uh, disease history in her family, and she notices that when she eats a certain way, that rheumatoid arthritis that runs through the family tends to flare up. Uh, I had a daughter that had uh, some significant reactions to food later in life, and she's been eating all her life, but all of a sudden, they were not happy with her, and she was not happy with them, and it began to cause things like hair loss, brittle fingernails, and nobody could figure out why. Uh, myself, I, I began to experiment with all this as they did, and I was watching them, and, and as they began to eat differently, they began to feel differently. And then I had cancer, and, and that opened my eyes to a whole new way of looking at nutrition as medicine. And so the GMO thing all of a sudden became important to me. I wanted to know what, what is the in, impact of this and, and what does it mean for me? And, and if I eat non-GMO, what difference does it make? So if you want to know more about any of that, you can, you can talk to me. I'm going to use sermon time to explain to, to a spouse on nutrition because I don't really know that much about it. But, but what I do know is that sometimes with the best intentions when we genetically modify something, there can be unintended consequences. Now, I know what you're thinking. Bill, what does this have to do with completion? And I thought we were here to talk about Jesus. We're going to. The reason I'm talking about this is this analogy of bearing fruit continues through even today's verse in the completion. So if you've been playing the, the home game here, we've had words from Jesus. We've had words from Paul. We've had words from the Psalms. All over the Bible, they use the same analogy of producing fruit, which you got to admit, it's a process, right? And, and that's part of what it is to become like Christ. It's a process. So today we're going to dive into Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to start at verse 3 where Paul is thanking the Philippians church because they've been so faithful at spreading the word. In fact, they were one of the more successful church plants that Paul had. He was very happy to partner with them, as you'll see from his words. Here's what Paul writes to them. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending or confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. These are the words of God, they are for the people of God, and for these words we are grateful. Paul continues this uh, analogy of fruit and, and the process that that takes. And he gives the reason why we want to develop that fruit so that we may abound in love more knowledge and depth and insight so that we may be able to discern so that we will be pure and blameless at that end day. There's a whole purpose to this. It's not just an end in itself. It's a means to righteousness. It's a means to appearing uh, pure and blameless in that final day because of what Christ has done, not because of what we have done. Now, if I were to ask you, how confident are you in your ability to become more like Christ? If you had a scale of, of say, 0 to 100, 
Where would you rate yourself? How confident are you in your ability to bring this to completion? And you know what the answer is? It doesn't matter. Because it's not you. This is the best news of all. This is not you. Let me, I'm going to go back and park here in verse 6 for just a second. We're going to highlight this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. This isn't you. This is him. This is God working in and through us. This is the Holy Spirit shaping and forming us. This is God's process. And he will do the work. He will carry it through to completion. Isn't that the best news ever? So here's the next thing that you're thinking. If you're like me, my mind automatically went to, well, God's doing this work. What's he waiting for? Come on, man. <laughs> Bill's got to look more like Christ like now. I'm not patient with this. Maybe you aren't either. Or, or maybe you, you have your moments where you look Christ-like, and then you just totally you know, step off the rails. And you go, God, if this is your process, why did you let me do that? Believe it or not, it's part of the process. It's not something to be feared. It's something to be learned from. And there's an element of trust and cooperation that we need to talk about today because God will do this work, but it requires us to cooperate. So this, this idea of God doing the work, we're, we're going to pull from another analogy. And I'm not going to read you the parable because you're probably familiar with it. I'm just going to talk to it. But you can find this in Matthew 13, and it's going to be very familiar. But we're going to link the work of completion to the parable of the sower. So here's the first lesson that I want us to, to focus on. God will do the growing. If you look at the parable of the sower, just to, to recap it briefly, there was a man who threw seeds, and he threw it on four kinds of soil. Uh, the first soil was hard and compacted. It was a path, and before the seed could sink in, it was snatched away. The second one was a rocky soil. So whatever was planted there sprung up quickly, but because it had shallow roots, the first time the sun came out, the plant withered. There was nothing to it. The third kind of soil, the, the seed actually managed to make it into the soil. The plant began to grow, but then thorns and thistles grew up around it, which represent the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth, and choked out that plant's ability. Not choked out the plant. This is going to be important. The plant's still alive. But it choked out the plant's ability to do what? To produce fruit. So we had a lot of fruitless plants being choked out by the world. And then finally, the, the last soil was the good soil. So the, the seed that was planted there produced 30, 60, 100-fold crops. It was good soil. Why do I pause to tell you this parable? Because in, in this idea of God doing the growing, we have to understand that God will do the growing, but we have a part as well. God's <laughs> word is represented by the seed in that parable. There's a fascinating, this always fascinates me about a seed. Inside that tiny little seed is everything that is needed to produce a tree that will bear, not free, a tree that will bear fruit. Have you ever thought about that? It's like, it doesn't need to set a reminder. Uh, it's time to sprout leaves. Uh, you should start working on orienting toward that sun. Uh, it's time to start producing fruit. Come on, we got deadlines. None of that. It's all in that tiny little seed. It knows exactly what to do. So there's an element of trusting that God, when he plants that seed, has everything that it, it's already complete. Everything that you need to become Christ-like is already inside you the moment you become a believer. Does that mean that you're Christ-like instantly? I don't know. Does that mean that a tree bears fruit the instant the seed is planted? No. See, this is the part that we forget. 
We're so anxious to make a decision to, to believe in Christ, which is a good thing. Don't hear me wrong. This is a great, this is the greatest decision that you can ever make, to trust and believe in God, in, in Jesus Christ specifically. But we give up at that point. We think, oh, well, that's all there is to it. No, 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 no. The seed just got planted. There's growth. There's completion awaiting to happen. And when that happens, the world will see Christ in us. And so there's this whole thing. If you want to use the, the formal theological terms, the justification happens the instant we believe that then there's this whole process, and it's called sanctification, as we grow into the likeness of Christ. And that's what I want to focus on today. Because the instant that we start trying to genetically modify the seed, which is the word, we get into trouble. We might have good intentions in modifying that seed genetically, we might want to influence uh, and maybe insert a little bit of modern culture because this ancient word sometimes doesn't translate so well. And, and the, the intention is good. We want it to be relevant to the world outside us. So we just insert a little bit of culture into God's word. The problem is it has some unintended consequences. It's not going to grow the fruit that we desire. So we want to be very careful about genetically modifying any seed or, or having expectations of the seed that don't match what we think should happen. Let me give you one quick example. If, if you were in this process, you had a seed planted, and you knew that the end process was going to be this giant tree that produced the most delicious apples the world has ever seen. And the first thing that you see out of that seed is this little thing that starts growing down. Like, no, 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 no. The growth is supposed to happen up. Don't you understand? You're a tree. You're going to produce fruit. Why are you wasting time? You're pointed the wrong direction. See, without roots, there's no tree. Without a tree, there's no leaves. Without leaves, there's no fruit. And so if we don't trust the process, if we think we know better than God, we go, oh, but you're upside down. We just fix that for you. And we flip it around, and we put the roots on the surface, what happens? Nothing happens. We have to trust that the seed knows exactly what it's doing. It has everything that it needs to help us to grow into Christ's likeness. In short, leave the seed alone. Let it do its work. God will do the growing. So then what is our part? Well, this is why I picked the parable of the sower, because if you look at what else is happening in the story, yes, God's word is the seed, but we are the soil. So our role in this, <clears throat> we should do the tending. We should tend the soil. We should prepare our hearts to receive this word, to allow this word to grow, to allow the roots to penetrate our hearts, to allow God to form us, to shape us, to orient us, and to lead us to a life of service and love. And that's easier said than done, but, but let's go through and see exactly what it is that you can do. Like I said, this is the Uber application sermon. So if you are going through a trial and you are not seeing the fruit of the Spirit that you want to see, here's where you look. We gotta get our hands dirty. This is the day to get our hands dirty. We gotta dig in the soil and prepare the soil for the seed to do its work. So let's look at the four, <clears throat> excuse me, the four types of soil. Uh, no, I did not draw that. <laughs> if you know me, you know I can't even draw flies. So no. Uh, but this is a, a wonderful illustration of the four types of soil. So if you find yourself hardened by life, uh, maybe a lot of people have walked over. Maybe life has steamrolled you. Maybe you, you just have a hardened heart because that's the only way that you know how to protect yourself. The, 
problem with that is that that seed can't do its work in that hardened heart. The seed can't extend the roots. The tree can't grow. So sometimes we have to be willing to, to let go of that. Let go of that hardened heart. And I know that's hard. I know because when you trust someone and you get hurt and you get trampled over, the last thing you want to do is trust somebody else. But there is one who is trustworthy. And his name is Jesus Christ. So don't put your hardened heart in the hands of Christ. Let him do his work. Open up. And, and interestingly enough, a lot of times that these major transitions in life happen, it's because of a broken heart. See, that hardened heart, nothing can happen in it. But occasionally life just runs a plow right through that heart. And the purpose of the plow is to break the hard ground. And once the hard ground is broken, the seed can do its work. My question to us is, wouldn't it be wiser on our part just to open our hearts instead of being broken? Yes, but sometimes life has a way of doing that. This is my encouragement. If you have been broken, if you have been trampled and broken, understand this, the seed can still do its work. There's hope. The second type of ground is the, the rocky ground, and as the seed gets thrown onto that, it immediately takes root, but it's so focused on the up that it forgets the down. In other words, there are very little roots, and it starts throwing out, oh, I'm so excited. This would be the equivalent of, you know, I almost drowned, and so I've determined that my life's mission is going to be a lifeguard, and so I'm going to go lifeguard. Don't you think you ought to learn to swim first? <laughs> yeah, you can go be a lifeguard, but man, you're going down with whoever you're trying to save. This is not good. And so a lot of times when we accept the faith and we start to see the very inklings of growth, the very inklings of, of Christ's likeness, go, oh, this is awesome. I just, want to, I just want to serve. I want to do everything. I want to be Christ in the world. But if we have no roots, if we haven't taken time to develop the stuff below the ground, the first child that comes along is going to burn you. And if you've been there, or if you are there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Take time. Let the roots develop. Let the seed do its work. But that requires us to make room. The rocky soil is shallow because the root only goes so far. This is a case of, yes, Jesus, I want you in my life, and I will give you my whole heart. Oh, except that one part. I'm going to hold on to that. That little rock in my heart is what creates the shallow roots. If you're going to give your life to Jesus, it's not like a percentage. It's not an equation. It's a yes or a no. It's a zero or it's a hundred percent. You can't give your 50% life to Jesus and expect to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's what we've got to be able and willing to lay down. I think this next one, though, is the one that I see most prevalent in North America and maybe especially in this area. And this one, to me, is the saddest of all. Because you've got a seed that's been planted in a willing heart in the the ground, whether it was opened or broken, however, the, the, the roots begin to grow and they begin to produce this tree or this plant, and then all these other things come alongside it. And, and if you look at the parable, it specifically says the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth. And you've heard me talk about wealth and other avenues. The wealth is not the problem. The love of the wealth is the problem. The way that we deal with what has given us, and God has given us is the problem, not the wealth itself. But nonetheless, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth grow up and they start to choke out this plant. 
And here's why it is so sad to me, because you feel like you're doing everything right. You've got a good root system, you're growing, and, and you're up and able to do things, you're able to try to orient toward the sun, but there is so much out there that there is zero fruit. Have you ever known anyone that says, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a Jesus follower, and they, they exhibit absolutely zero love, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control? This is probably a Christian that has been choked out by life, by the cares of the world, by the deceitfulness of wealth, however you want to phrase it. Other things are getting in the way of the fruit that should be coming from that tree. And, and the other reason that it's sad, not just on an individual basis it's sad, because that, that the whole purpose of that plant is to produce fruit, and it's not able to. That's got to be frustrating. But the other reason that it's so sad is if we see our role as a witness for Christ, as other people see us, if I'm a fruitless plant, they're going to go, why would I do that? Why would I follow all those things that you do and, and not have all the fun that I'm having to live that life? And when you put it that way, I don't even want that life. So I have to be able to lay aside the cares of the world. I have to be able to lay aside the deceitfulness of wealth. In other words, I have to weed my garden. Sometimes you can do that by yourself. Sometimes that takes an accountability groups and community support. Sometimes that takes a whole lot of Holy Spirit and grace, but we have to weed the garden if we're going to bear the fruit. We can't continue to be weighed down by cares of the world. We can't uh, take those cares and, and try to genetically modify that seed so that it fits our lifestyle. We've got to weed the garden. So that we get to the final soil, the soil that is good. What would you imagine good soil looks like? Well, it looks like it's been tilled. It's been worked over. How many people here feel like they've been worked over by life or by the Holy Spirit? Good. You're ready. We need to care about the water. We need to water that soil. And we talked about in Traveling Trees what kind of water we're looking for. Go back and listen to that one if you're interested. But I'll give you a hint. It's called living water. And it's the only water that's going to produce the fruit that we're looking for. We need to weed the garden, prepare the soil, make sure we're adequately watered, orient ourselves to the sun as we start coming up. All of these things are tying together today in what we call completion. Now let me take a little pressure off of you because I know you're probably thinking, well, completion, you want me to be exactly like Jesus Christ? I can't do that. Me either. Completion doesn't mean perfect. Completion means I'm growing more and more in the image of Christ. And if I make a mistake, there's a simple grace don't worry, we'll get you back on track. But hopefully as we develop and we can become more and more mature, we take fewer ventures off the path. And if we do venture off the path, there are minor orientations that, that bring us right back onto the path. All this is possible. All this is what it's about to be completed in the image of Christ. He's not looking for us to be perfect, but he is looking for us to seek perfection. At least if I'm aiming towards that, I'm going to get a lot closer and if I don't try it off, I have no goal and no purpose. I don't know about you, but as you look at the world out there, there's a world that needs the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you've seen this. If not, turn on the news for five minutes and you'll see that there's a need for fruit of the Spirit. We need love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. We need it all, and we need it now. The problem is we can't get it now. We have to trust the process. And so 
like I said a few weeks ago, yeah, we, we've been blessed in this nation. We've had a, a whole generation of fruit produced. But if we don't start producing the next wave of fruit, there's going to be a supply chain issue like you can't imagine. And I think we're already seeing that. There's so much strife and violence and hatred and just angst. I don't think I've ever seen this. Well, maybe, I know, I was trying to think of the protests in the 70s, maybe, but it's just crazy out there. Aren't you glad that we have a crazy solution? So here's the thing. As we, as we wrap up this series, I want to go back real quick and just look at where we've been to remind you. If, if you haven't seen the other ones, you want to go back and look at it. Just realize this. A lot of times the trials and the tribulations that we're facing are a starting point of this journey. That's the, the ground being broken. That's the soil being tilled and agitated and prepared. As you look at the life of Paul, who wrote this book of Philippians, look at his life, and as he describes this, he wrote the passage that we just read. What would be the tone if I were to ask you, what do you think Paul's state of mind was when he wrote that? You would probably say, gratitude. Thanks, I thank you, I pray for you, I'm so glad that I partnered from you. Do you know where Paul wrote this letter? From prison. I don't imagine that was a cakewalk. That was a joyful trial, and yet Paul is writing out of gratitude and thanks. See, that's a man who's prepared the soil and weeded the garden. He also talks about that fruit check because he knows that the end goal is the most important thing. He went from chief executioner to chief church planter. If he hadn't written everything that he'd written, we would have a much less understanding of this way of living in Christ. Traveling trees, he went like I said, from, from the Pharisee of Pharisees to the, the uh, apostle to the Gentiles. You can't get much more polar opposite than that. He traveled a very far distance, but the, the, the point is his roots found their way home. And that's the most important part. And as he talks about completion, he literally gave his life in service to help others prepare the ground and bear fruit of the Holy Spirit. But I wonder what impact you could have, what impact we could have if we would but trust the process. I wonder what it would look like if we went GMO. See, I was questioning that earlier, but now I'm convinced I want GMO. I want to be a GMO. I want to be a God-modified
deep roots that will sustain us even in the driest of times, and that the source of the living water who we trust above all else will never fail us, will never forsake us. God, as the weeds and the cares of this world and the, the illusion of wealth and, and all the other issues associated with that that tend to overbear us, it's everywhere. It's on social media, it's on the news, it's in our conversations. God, it pales in comparison to you. Remind us of that this morning. And as we weed the garden, there's only one thing we need to be looking at, and that's you. There's only one thing, an area that we need to work in, and that's us. Let it begin with us. Let's get our hands dirty today, God, as we do the work of preparing your soil. And God, my prayer is that this people called Word Serve would produce a crop 30, 60, 100 fold. Who knows? When you're in the midst of it, nothing is impossible. God, let this army rise up today and produce the fruit of the Spirit in abundance so that the world knows who you are and recognizes you as our Savior. I pray this in Jesus' name.